Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Help walk one. Walk two. Walk back to eight. Engage. 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 T. Earl Grey hot. T. Earl Grey hot. T. Earl Grey hot. Would you like some tea? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next Earl Grey and Picard episode. My name is Steven. I'm Dan. And today we'll be talking about uh, episode 2, season 5 of TNG, and one of the best Picard episodes, in my opinion, Darmok. And um, before we get all into that, Bill, uh, we'll start off with the usual beers we're drinking today. So, Dan, what are you drinking right now? Um, I brought two Flying Monkeys beers, uh, both of them the exact same, uh, the Killer Cupcake Panda IPA, um, it's 8.3% uh, alcohol, I didn't realize that. Not their best <laughs> IPA, nope, it's a double IPA, I apologize, oh, okay. that's why I take one It's not the best um, beer they've made, but it's uh, pretty good, it has a slightly sweet taste to it. Okay, and so, of course at the end you'll be giving the ratings? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and currently, I'm drinking a brand new one uh, called a Jurassic IPA. It's just labeled a strong beer, not a double one. It's a 6.8er. So far, so good. I have three others. I think, Dan, how many more beers did you drink tonight for the show? Uh, I only brought one other one. I drank the rest of them this afternoon. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I have three others. I don't remember the names right now, but uh, I'm sure at some point we'll be pausing this to go for more beers, and we'll be talking about those. So, um, yeah, so I guess moving forward from that, uh, should we just remind the audience what Darmok is all about? Even though I'm sure everyone who's listening knows very well what Darmok is about, but we do have a friend who suggested that we tell everybody, or sorry, to remind everybody what the episode is, and it's a very good suggestion. So let's go ahead and do that. I'll read the first one, and Dan can read the second synopsis. So Darmok, uh, Picard is captured, then trapped on a planet with an alien who speaks a metaphorical language incompatible with the universal translator. They must learn to communicate with each other before a deadly planetary beast overwhelms them. Uh, the other write-up is Picard must uh, learn to communicate with a race that speaks a metaphor under a difficult set of circumstances. Which is a very, very, very good, very brief way of describing this episode. Yeah, like before, before I got I, I get into any issues with this episode, I do actually have one or two. Um, why, why did we choose Darmok? Why, why do you think this is a good episode to review for the podcast? What? Well, this is one of the perennial favorites of uh, Star Trek: Next Generation. Mm-hmm. As episodes go, people talk about it all the time. There's t shirts made about this episode. That's true. Uh, you can say Darmok, and people will start quoting the metaphors that the alien race uses. Um, and the whole episode is all about Picard and how he deals with adversity and differences and language barriers and, and terrible um, invisible enemies and all that stuff. Like I mentioned to your friend yesterday that I'm going to be doing. Uh, an episode on Darmok. She didn't know what it was, but the second I said, well, do you remember that phrase in the episode Darmok and Gelada at Tanagra? She's like, oh yeah, I remember that one. So it's it's worked its way into the, to the, our lexicon, maybe, uh, you know, the oh, sci-fi sure. lexicon. Yeah. You know, so once you say Darmok and Gelada at Tanagra, people start cluing in, oh yeah, it's, it's that one. And, and I will also say, um, before we go into my notes, our notes on, the, on this episode, I actually tried showing this episode to my dad two years ago. Um, I, he's known I've been a big Star Trek fan my whole life, 
and um, you know something that would be nice to share with him. So I shot. I thought, okay, if I'm going to show him any episode of TNG, it'll be Darmok. And I showed him. He didn't like it, did he? No, he did not like it. No, <laughs> it was a hard episode to get into. You think so? Really? I was thinking about it. I was watching it yesterday. I was thinking about that because it doesn't make any sense. Really, it doesn't like. In a rational way, it doesn't make any sense at all that this alien race would be speaking a metaphor, and it doesn't make any sense at all that the crew of the Enterprise would figure out, or Picard would figure out, how to communicate with them using metaphors that they themselves don't understand and don't know the meaning of. Right, and I will get to that point. I will say, okay, so I'll say yes, my dad did not like the episode, and I could not get him into Star Trek because of the episode. Um, yeah, that's where the story ends. Okay, so I will just jump right in. One of my big gripes with this episode is... The premise itself. I actually, I it's, it's the reason why I both love and hate the episode. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant idea. You know, like you encounter a race, speaks only a metaphor, and you try and communicate with him. You try and bridge that gap um, and work out your differences. Um, and by by pitting two captains into this challenge, I think it's really, really cool. But the premise of any alien race being able to design ships and have space travel. Um, while using this really odd metaphorical language is such a strange concept to me. Like, for example, how can you say, let's, okay, we're gonna build this work, or here are the schematics. How do you get past, you know, how, how do you translate a starship design while, while I, speaking only in, in, in metaphor or in tongue, for God's sakes, right? I, uh, I got to hear about that. Uh, <laughs> no one theories. One, um, oh, I'm curious to hear the, this because I know like, this language language just, just fuck up as any other language, right? And like it, some some races, some people, I could imagine that the English language is like a bunch of metaphors with all that weird slang that we use all the time. Do you have a lot of weird slang? Um, but also, like, I got thinking about this as well from a practical standpoint for the alien race. Um, so they speak in metaphor. Maybe they're writing, like their handwriting, their written notes, their emails. Maybe they're all like you know, like perfect old school Victorian English or something. Like maybe that's where they get all of their description of. Maybe that's where they get their communication across. Where the speaking metaphors is kind of just like a byproduct of um, just a way to make noise or, or fire off rapid communication. But the real technological expertise comes comes through in the writing. Maybe something like that. Maybe. We, 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 we never see this race again. We never see this race again, ever. We didn't we so. did see an example of the writing in the episode. Do you remember when Picard opened up the captain's log? It looked like something completely alien, obviously. Yeah. But maybe that's the sort of language. I don't know, but it looked like schematics or... Yeah, I'm not sure. But it did look weird. Um, yeah. Okay, I just had to take a quick pause there to get my second beer, which I'll talk to you about later. Um, but I wanted to mention why, another reason I chose this episode, I, I just thought it was a great example of Picard being Picard, you know? It's a more Picard episode than, um, oh, what was the last one we did? The one that wasn't Picard. Oh, uh, Devil's uh, Do. Devil's Do. Yeah, so I got worried. I shouldn't have, but like within the first five, I've watched this episode a few times the last couple weeks to get ready for this, but... The first time I watched it, I had the first five or ten minutes, um, I'm like, oh shit, this is just like Devil's Do. This isn't a Picard episode at all. And then I got through, like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right, because I haven't watched it for a few years, like, that kind of my mind. Like, oh yeah, this is all about Picard. Like, of course, there's the B plot where they're up on the ship trying to figure it out. Yeah. But, but it all relates to Picard, right? Yeah, it's, it's like all, they're, they're all revolving around Picard, yeah. and, and all comes back to him. Uh, and also, well, as we're watching, 
We have the episode playing uh, on mute in the background, and right now uh, the captains have just been transported down to the planet, so Riker and Worf and Deanna and all the rest of them on the bridge are freaking out. Deanna Troy is a vastly underutilized character because as an empath, she would know the emotions that the alien race is feeling and could communicate that, could use that as a bridge to communicate with the alien race. But they race. still wouldn't know the, the vocabulary. It doesn't matter, though, because she can still figure it out. They don't use it at all. She can feel what they're doing. She can feel what they're feeling. She can feel everything about them. Because she will say, like, oh, I sense no deception or yeah, no that, That's what she said in the yeah. episode. But she didn't take it any farther. They totally okay, well, well, how could they take it farther? Like, As the episode progresses, things get more tense. Call them up on the screen. Just start saying shit back well, and forth. You know, yeah, they're not going to understand a single word. That, but she'll be able to pick up on that it. That does actually take me to one of my points I had. Is that At one point in the episode, Data and Troy are trying to figure out how to communicate. And I thought they gave up way too quickly. Um, oh, yeah, for training Starfleet officers yeah, they, when their captain's trapped on the planet? Yeah, yeah they gave up. Because like, they, were, they have a base vocabulary to work with. They have some communique. They could have talked with them on the view screen a few more times. They could have figured out uh, more reactions to certain words that they used. You know, I, I think if they put more time and patience into it and, and efforts, especially with Data and Troy, they could have bridged a gap. You know, that they, 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 yeah, my point is they gave up too quickly. Um, I find it hard to believe that Data didn't see the link right away. Yeah, me too. Like me he's too. capable of, of, of thinking outside the box. He's done it before. A little surprised he didn't this time. Yeah. But it was amazing. Sorry, I don't. Uh, sorry, I know we're bouncing around a lot, but it was amazing uh, when Picard sitting around the campfire with the captain, the other captain, and he's slow after the captain injured, and he's slowly figuring out what the guy is saying, what he means, and you can see him getting more excited. That was, yeah, that was pretty. Awesome. I thought that was really cool, and I will say um, this is the first and only time we ever see Picard wearing the jacket. This particular jacket in the episode, he never wears it again. Never That's worn true. it before, and I thought it's a pretty dope-looking jacket, if I can be so honest. Um, well, better than his pajamas that he's on outdoors. Yeah. No, it has some cool like leather to it and everything. And those called the uh, epaulets, those things on the shoulders. I don't know what it's called. Is it? You think so? But regardless. Picard, I mean, he always looks amazing, I think, but he looks especially good in this oh, episode. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, so the guy who plays Dathan, the main Temerian on the surface with a captain, his name is Paul Winnefield. He was awesome. He was awesome. And um, two things about him he died in 2004, oh. unfortunately. And he was actually in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, as a captain. Not the same captain. Well, he was a captain in but Star Trek II. Not this captain. Not this captain, oh, okay. no, no, no. No, no. This is the first and unfortunately only appearance by the Temerians in all of TNG. Outside but, of the books, maybe. I don't know. Maybe they pop up there. Yeah, that would be good. You know, if, I should read more Star Trek books, but I don't know if they appear. I'll be, I would read a book with the Temerians. Although, can you imagine reading that book, though? You know, I, you know what? In, in hindsight, I don't know if I want to read that All the book. better for <laughs> I don't understand what any of this means. No. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Visually, I think it could work in another episode, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, maybe they'll show up in the new Picard series. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, so we already talked about how a spacefaring species could create Star Trek. So, uh, you go back to the to the uh, to the actor who played yeah, sure. the captain. Um, he is he is loaded with makeup. He's got prosthesis on. Um, he has got heavy makeup on, but he still emotes so well using body language and the little visual or the little facial control he has yeah. he gets a, he gets the point across so well like, even when he's even when he's 
you know, saying gibberish, you know, with arms wide, Tanagra, blah, 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 all that. You still kind of get the point of what he's saying and the emotion behind it, even when you can't understand what he's, what he, what he's actually saying, right? Um, I thought that was really, really well done. It was a really good actor. Yeah, no, he has a good baritone to his voice, you know, his delivery, mm-hmm. everything. You know, just, yeah, you're right, his facial expression, what he can communicate through his eyes, through his actions. Yeah, it's his eyes, yeah. You know, it's a really good job of that. And seeing him act opposite uh, Patrick Stewart, I think, is a real treat. Yeah. Can you uh, imagine you and I trying to do this podcast in the Temerian language? So, I was just thinking, Dan... Are you going to Are you no, going to fucking get us a try? I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to give it a try. Here we go. Um, Dan at Stevens with arms wide. Um... But with, <laughs> no, but then would it work? Um, it, it would have to be some sort of like, like a pop culture reference, though. Yeah, it would. Okay, uh, so okay, look, wait, wait. Joey and Chandler. Yeah, right. Yeah, so at our first Monica's. No. Well, that would be. Well, does everyone know friends though? Right. So it would have to be a universal metaphorical language. Okay, so say for example, I want to say Dan is at Stevens um, doing a podcast, right? So for example, what is the most like say? So it could be like. Uh, Joe Rogan at studio uh, arms wide because uh, you're giving information to me but would that work? Like everyone knows the Joe Rogan podcast. Do you know the Joe Rogan podcast? Yeah. Okay so would you say that is the so, most well known podcast right? Like is that in, in the zeitgeist of uh, people's podcast knowledge? I think so. I think if you're listening to this podcast you've heard of the Joe Rogan You've heard of Joe Rogan. Okay so Dan or but I can't use your name though can I? Because like because um, they're the really archetypal yes. So, so, so you you would be like Joe Rogan at at where 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 would you be? You would have to be at a friend's house. So, what is I don't know what is a universal friend that everyone has, right? It's it's hard. I I keep going back to the friends thing. Okay, so it would be Joe Rogan at Chandler's. Um, how do you say speaking or like giving a podcast that doesn't work? Well, Joe Rogan implies that it's a podcast already, right? Joe, Joe <laughs> so Rogan oh, at Chandler's yeah. with your with, uh, with arms open, um, drinking beer. So it could be like um, who's a famous beer drinker? <laughs> uh, Sean Connor. He's more uh, whiskey, more of a Scotch man. I, I, I don't know where they came. So okay, so maybe we were wrong in saying that Troy and Dana gave up too easy because it's insanely difficult <laughs> to figure that like, shit out. I, you know what? Like with this song, everybody has to be on the same page. Everybody, <laughs> you know, there has to be okay. Who is the best podcaster? Who is the quintessential friend? So I guess in our universe, Chandler is the quintessential friend. <laughs> well, that's the it's the weird part, right? Because. They do actually figure out how to communicate whatnot, but again, they have no idea the 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 what they, like the cultural uh, the zeitgeist behind it, the cultural the, the the cultural attachment that you have to Darmok, Tanagra, yeah, all that. No idea. So you're saying these words to get a to get the other person to smile, basically, is what it seems like. Okay, you're smiling. I said something good. I have no idea what it means. Yeah. But obviously, they do know what it means. It just seems a little weird and disingenuous that they kind of got there the way they did. Maybe it's all from one source. Like, for example, how we have the Bible, right? Like, everyone knows who Jesus and Lazarus and Moses is, right? So maybe, you know, and, and like Hercules and these great mythical figures, right? So we, we, we actually have already a base 
a base story or several base stories to drive from, right? So we don't have to use Chandler and Joe Rogan. However, technology changes, so we would have to add more to that lexicon, like podcasts, right? That's true. You know, so like for example, we could say Jesus being killed, Daniel or Jesus. Okay, so Jesus as who is a friend of Jesus? I, I don't. I'm not a religious man. I don't know. But not Judas. Not definitely not Judas. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus uh, and Moses. Were Jesus and Moses friends? I don't know how we got on this stuff. <laughs> Mo- no, no. Moses they must came. Have known each other. Moses was before Jesus. Moses is in the first testament. Jesus is in the second testament. Okay, I know nothing about this stuff. I just know there's a man named Jesus. I can I can actually hear people listening to this <laughs> freaking out and yelling at us right now. Hey, this is about we have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, we know Star Trek. We don't know. But that Moses was much before Jesus because I thought Jesus was the first one no 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 Jesus is the second <laughs> one God's the first one but who's the second one Jesus Jesus yeah, yeah he's the third one Moses there's your third one that's not a trilogy oh we're talking testaments yeah first testament uh, okay. no not first and second new and old the Old Testament. Moses is in the Old Testament. Jesus is in the New Testament. That's a lot to keep up with. But anyway, so we can derive from... from I apologize to all the religious people out there listening to this. Uh, yes, I understand we're both going to hell. That's okay. We'll probably have your while we do it. Oh, I knew that a long time ago. We'll be podcasting <laughs> in hell. Trust me, man. <laughs> the, yeah, so Jesus is in the New Testament. He's got all of his disciples, like uh, Paul... Job? I know there's a guy named Job somewhere. I heard that. Cain and Abel, but they're in the Old Testament. Adam from Adam and Eve. Is Adam he in the Old Testament? <laughs> Where's Eve? Is she? She's in the Old Testament. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph are in the New Testament. And Jesus' disciples, Paul, John, Jacob. Jacob. That sounds like you're just saying biblical names. I'm just saying (laughs) Daniel. I know Daniel's in the Bible. Maybe there's a Stephen. Maybe there's a Dan. But regardless, this is like sidetrack. Regardless, this is a common story that we could use to, you know, but apparently not because we don't understand where the fucking story is coming from. Only because we choose not. (laughs) We're not religious, but maybe everyone in the Tamarian culture. Is very religious or knows everyone knows the common story. Well, yeah, they because New and Old Testaments and stuff. That's like that. their means of communication, right? Like as they're speaking to each other, the way we're speaking, they're using metaphors and stuff speaking the way we're speaking. Although maybe we're using metaphor to a degree or or, or slang to a degree, or like who knows? But like, let's think about this too. Like the language, the language thing is weird. The what is language thing? Yeah. So you go to a different country where they don't speak English. Yeah. Um, but there's still then, always an I, like an ego, right? They address themselves in the first person, right? Yeah. And it's, but in, in these languages, it's right in Sumerian, there is no sense of ego, so they will not say I did this, I did this. It's like somebody did this, and that's it. That's it relates to our situation. You know? So it's like a third party ego, yeah, almost. yeah. Or, or ego once removed. Yeah, yeah. But in, in every other yeah. Earth language, there's always an I, unless unless I'm. I don't know. I, I'm ninety-nine yeah, percent sure about that. Maybe. Um, but okay, let's just okay. So let's just go back a little bit. We'll avoid the like talk about God and Jesus. And well, no, I was going to go back to that for one second. Oh, so okay. who is Jesus' friend? He's like just name a friend of Jesus. Let's Not say, the Romans. Let's say okay, just 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 for <laughs> Not the Jews. They're the ones who nailed him to the cross. Jews. Let's just say for I'm kidding sake, people. Let's just say for argument's sake, it's Moses. Okay, so you could say like you could say like Jesus at Moses, which is Dan and I. Uh, with Seth Rogen drinking, um, they wouldn't say drinking though either, right? So how would you say? Uh, there has to be a situation where Jesus is with Moses and they're all oh, party drinking beer. Uh, the, the, uh, Indiana Jones last year say the cup of Christ. Oh, there you go. Youth. There you go. So Jesus and Moses that. with 
Indiana Jones at the Last Crusade. Bingo. That's our podcast. Oh, yeah. There we go. I mean, I get the reference to that. We have our own but it, now. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the next episode we do, it'll all be in Sumerian. And we'll and it'll be eight hours long, and it'll be like ten minutes of information. As we yeah, there you go. Trying to figure out how to say what the fuck we're Well, episode seven. Tune in for that one. Uh, that'll be a good one. Only three people will ever will know what we're talking about, and, and, and our two of them will be podcasting. Who just died? Yep. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Darmok. Um, okay, so. Well, another, another point I wanted to bring up in this episode is that Rick Berman, for my research, originally hated this uh, this episode. It was pitched to him. Um, don't know by who, actually, but it was pitched to him, and he rejected it a couple of times, and he had to be convinced over and over again that this is going to be a good episode. Yeah, and um, in the end, Rick Berman has said it is one of his favorite episodes. So Totally see that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a solid idea. You know, any Picard-centric episode, you know, um, I would always listen to that. And, I think it's interesting because um, it's, it's an ensemble cast with all the characters from Star Trek and they're all no one character is more important than the other and no one actor is is more um, more important there's no like lead actor because it's an ensemble so they all at some point need to have episodes kind of focus on individual characters yep. And in this one is Picard, and they go back to Picard quite frequently because he's awesome. But uh, the, the whole idea, the focus on Picard, I can see why Rick Berman did like. Is there anything you hear about Rick Berman as a producer and the executive producer? Like, yeah, not very good. You know, he's kind of, kind of a dick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's like uh, Maurice Ferrier from season two, and Maurice Ferrier was only there for season two, and he was gone. I thought he was there for season one too, or was it just season two? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It might have been the tail end of season one. Um, then he was gone, um, and he's also not super great. But Rick Burns stuck around. Um, I think he's redeemed himself many times with most of the movies, not all of them. Yeah, there. I mean, no, I'd rather have Rick Berman in charge now than Alex Kurtzman, to be honest with you. Yeah, you know, I want Ronald D. Moore. Oh, I know he would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, he would be great. And um, actually, I have the uh, DS9 documentary, and they did a fictional. Season eight, episode one story, where they broke down the story for episode one, season eight, and so yeah, they brought all the writers back for for DS nine, and the story is actually really good. And uh, Cisco dead, I Um, well, do you know what happens to Cisco at the end of DS nine? I don't guess. Not really, in a way, but no. no. I, mean, you know, I can tell you, but um, I, I don't want to spoil it for you. But I'll it's really I'll get to it eventually. Steven has tried to. Or has convinced me to watch Deep Space Nine. So I never did it before. Yeah, fifty percent um, successfully because you stopped watching it now. So well, I had to take a break because Cisco was really irritating. Oh, only because of the ear thing, right? Only because of the ear. No, thing. it's the face thing where he puts his hand all over people's faces. Yeah, it drives me up the wall. It's I can't so fucking you weird. You stop watching an entire television show over one little idiotic. Well, it's not just that he's a fucking weirdo. He's a strange actor, little dude. The actor is a weirdo, but the, oh, yeah, yeah. the captain is not a but weirdo. The way he plays him is so bizarre. And I like the relationship with Quark and Odo. Yeah, like, I like that. Um, I like Kira. Then when they get into the whole alternate, uh, the Dark Mirror universe, all that, like, like, I think three or four episodes. Only after that's three episodes. I stopped there. You can skip there them. Just you can skip like, them. Just skip them. Believe me, you can skip those mirror episodes, mirror universe episodes. They are I, I I don't like them, and I'm the biggest DS9 fan, and I skip those episodes. <laughs> so there you go. If you get past that, um, 
No, I, I like Cisco. I, I like you know. We, maybe we can do another podcast one day. Cisco and I don't know what's what Cisco drinks. We'll uh, compare no, Cisco and Picard. Cisco and Ractagino. That's it. Ractagino. Remember the Ractaginos? Oh my god. The Bajoran coffee. Yeah. I want a Ractagino. Yeah. <laughs> you might be proud of it. Not my He's my prophet, man. I love Cisco. I would granted I'd rather have Earl Grey with Picard than Earl oh, yeah. Gino with Cisco. So many questions for Picard. Yeah, me too. Do you think we could be friends with Picard? I think we could. I, I think, think he would humor us. Yeah, you don't think he'd be friends with us though? I think he <laughs> I think it would be hard for him to relate to us. Play the flute with us. Take flute. <laughs> <laughs> We're not on that episode yet. That's, that's the nice one. one. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Well, yeah, actually that's true. Um, okay. So also, this isn't really Picardian, but I thought I'd mention it anyway, just because it's hilarious. Uh, Worf gets rejected at least three times in this episode. Every he's a warrior who's the head of security for a starship, and they never take his advice. No, ever, ever. There is this one part. It was actually mentioned in another podcast or another something or other I listened to, where at around the sixteen thirty mark of the episode. Um, you know, Picard, or sorry, Worf is like, yeah, let's, you know, fire first or, you know, do some aggressive move. And Riker's like, only as a last resort. So then Worf just like gives this little hand motion. Like, hey, there's a podcast you can't see, but he's like, okay, uh, you, you will take that from me. He raises his hand <laughs> a little bit. It's like, okay, fine. Okay, that, that you will go along with. But it was just like this little gesture he made where he acknowledges, yeah, I get rejected a lot. Um, but this little, you give me this one little sliver of hope here that maybe we can do that. Okay, I feel useful. Thank you for giving this to me. But no, this yeah. is, is actually, I think, out of all the Star Trek episodes, he gets rejected or uh, turned down three times. At least it was three times. And he, he, like a lot of the time, Worf's instinct to shoot first, ask questions later, to yeah. uh, not compatible with the he, for the most part. But in this instance. Maybe they should have. No, like, I don't, I don't like at the end of the day, like yeah, it, it helped them uh, uh, communicate with the alien race and, and work out at the end. But at the same time, they had no idea that was going to happen. And the, everything that happens, like the whole thing with the invisible demon beast creature on the planet, that could have gone so bad. Could have gone wrong, you know. I mean, in, in hindsight, it's easy, right, to say all this. Yeah. But poor work. I do really feel for Worf a lot of the time, you know, but Worf is legitimately wrong most of the time, you know? He's oh, yeah. Like, and he, he's basically an attack dog, and uh, Picard's the leash, you know, or Riker's the leash. Um, I did like his, his uh, when they're sitting around the boardroom, and I think it was Jory talking about what they were going to do to the captain <laughs> back. Yes, yes, and, I think I know what you're going to say. Well, it might take uh, three hours to get the... Uh, yeah, like a day or three or whatever it was to get to get everything working, and then Troy says, "But the captain could be dead by then." And Worf immediately jumps in and is like, "No, I trust the captain's abilities. He's a warrior. He'll be yeah. fine." Yeah, that was fantastic. Like, yeah, yeah, you go, Worf. Good old Worf. And he was right about that too. I would have resorted more to diplomacy. Um, you know, like Riker. He what? He shot the phasers a little too soon, I thought. But uh, you know, it is only easy to say in hindsight. Um. Well, I know I'm Captain of the Starship. I'll do it better than Riker. Okay, so Dan just got his second beer. What are you drinking now? Uh, the second Killer Panda that I brought. Nice. Sorry, Killer Cupcake Panda. Right. What's the alcohol percentage of that one? Uh, 8.3. Eight, wow, Jesus, man. I don't know how you're going to get home tonight. Um, I am having something called Life in the Clouds, and it's a 6.1%. 
IPA from Collective Arts. We've had Collective Arts on the show yeah, before. Really and one of the reasons I got this was because it has the 1947 video game airplanes on it. You know, the one where you're going back and forth, shooting, I, I don't know, it is 1947, I think. I, you know, I've, I've or 1944. Or 1944. That's an arcade game from... 10, 20 years ago, probably longer. Well, we'll be posting the pictures of all the beers we're having, like we did last time. And you know, I, I should apologize for the delay in episodes. Um, I'll see you as well. Yeah, I was in Yellowstone National Park. I will not say what happened to me at the end. Uh, however, the one week that I was there was actually was absolutely fantastic. And um, you know, actually, Dan, do you want to give out our Instagrams? Do you care? Would you prefer not? Yeah, our Instagram handles are, uh, well, mine is uh, slang83, and Dan? Uh, mine is narl82, so G-N-A-R-L-L-82. Cool. Yeah, you can follow us, and uh, you can like our cats and various other pictures. I think my Twitter's the same as well. Yeah, narl82. Yeah, well, it's all on our Twitter page. So Earl Gray and P-I-C-1. I, for some reason, I couldn't get the card. But um, yeah, I'm posting pictures there, updates when the next episode is, and uh, show notes in general, you know. Um, any criticisms, send them Stephen's way. Any positive affirmations, send them my way. <laughs> oh, yes, that donation button will be up um, after this episode. So, hey, if you want to support us and our alcoholism, please. <laughs> or, okay, no, we're not alcoholics. No, we just like to drink beer and talk about Picard, right? <laughs> so, if you want to support that venture, then uh, please uh, donate any little bit. Dan's sister, I'm looking at you. Um, yeah, hand it over. Yep. Okay, what were we talking about now? Um, yes, okay. So there's this one scene that I, just gives me tingles every time, makes me smile. It is this part where um, this invisible beast creature uh, is chasing, well, not chasing, but it's about to attack Picard and Dathan on the surface, and Picard's kind of figuring out the language at the same time, and Picard has this big grin on his face when he says, you speak in metaphor, and then it's, it all locks in. It all locks in, and it makes me smile every single time, just like, and then Dathan is like, his... His eyes uncovered, yeah. and it was just like, oh, I love that moment. You know, it was just gives me, makes me happy. It was They're around their first contact. The first contact. It's around the 24 minute mark. So look out for that. So every single time I watch this episode, I laugh at that moment. So I laugh with them. You know, well, so. the part where Nathan is getting attacked by the beast, and Ricard is stuck kind of in the transport. Oh, yeah, I'm so mad. Yeah, like, let him go. Let him go back and help us. Newfound friend, let's go. Yeah, and then like every time, once the card is screaming, no, no, it's like, oh man, that's really dramatic. I love that part, you know. Yeah. Ah, one of the better parts of this episode. Um, again, and you know, I was gonna talk at this point about you know how Data and Troy are giving up too much, and oh, yeah. in terms of you know. Um, yeah, I mean, they figured out a little bit, but you know, like when they were talking to the Tamarians on the viewing screen, they could pick up some of their. Um, stories a little bit, you know, like um, like to, the river Tamak, and you know they were giving other names, and they could tell by their reactions what these stories meant. You they know, tied uh, was it Tamak and Tanagra? They tied that together. Yeah, they tied that one together, yeah. but they didn't know what it meant, right? Yeah, but, like in the context of using it as a conversation, we had no idea what that meant. Yeah, but I feel they could have figured it out, you know, like, cause they were, on the, the Temerians were talking about Darmok and Jalad when Picard got transported, and then Dathan got transported, so maybe they could put two and two together, Darmok and Tanagra, the captain, and Dathan, you know, 
Hey, you know what? This is easy to say in hindsight. Very easy to say in hindsight. <laughs> I guess in the moment it's different, right? Yeah. Missing all of the uh, historical and cultural context of Yeah. Um, and I wonder sometimes how Picard's, or sorry, how other captains would have reacted in this situation. You know, like you put Cisco or Janeway in the same situation. Um, you know, if they would have been able to figure out the language. Or even uh, I'm pretty sure Kirk would have told them. I was thinking about that. What would have Kirk done? Well, he would have had sex with them first and come up. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Kirk would have thrown off handle and destroyed everything. No, Kirk is not bi. Kirk is, he was a straight man. <laughs> straight man. But I think, yeah, he would have, he would have destroyed the world. I yeah. I think he would have just fucked everything up. Yeah, Kirk is, uh, Kirk's a fighter, for not, sure. Not a thinker in the way that Picard is. I don't think he would have tied them all together. Oh, Spock might have. Spock might have. Cisco? That's a good question. I don't know. He's, he's an intelligent man. But not the same sort of intelligence as Picard, I feel. You know? It wouldn't be alien race, though, who'd get upset at the constant face touching. Like, that was the face <laughs> He only does that amongst Bajorans. You have to know that. And his son. That's because he loves his son. He kisses his son. He's got to, like, touch, touch him all over the face and says, Bizarre. Well, I mean, you had. Okay, so, what, you. Yeah, so the Cisco kisses Jake on the cheek sometimes, and he hugs him. Well, that's not weird. That's not weird. But face touching for no goddamn reason. I can't it's like a face hugger from the alien, except it's a hand, and not a face hugger. Okay, I also say it is the Bajoran he does that to, not anyone else, and his son, but in a different way. When he just kisses his son on the cheek or the forehead, and so because of those two little small things, you're like, okay, this guy's too weird for me. Can't deal with the show anymore. <laughs> I find Cisco really hard to take as a person. I, I find I find Avery Brooks to be difficult to deal with as a person. To tell He's not fucking weird that guy. But I find the captain. I don't know. He's gotten better from the first season for sure. Yeah, I'm only the fourth, four, I think. Yeah, you just watched Little Green Men, right? Yeah. Is that where still? Oh yeah, that yeah. was months ago, man. Jesus. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I'll, I'll get back to it. He's not Picard. Also, He's not Picard, but I think you know for. We have two options for another uh, podcast after this. We could do uh, Wharf and Prudus, and we could do uh, <laughs> Cisco and Rakdagina. Just saying. <laughs> or do. Um, uh, oh, I can't get a good one. Uh, oh, Troy and uh, Chocolate Ice Cream. <laughs> um, Janeway's Cup. Or Janeway and Coffee. I mean, God's yeah. obvious. Yeah. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember Janeway's um, slogan? Like, there's there's coffee in that nebula. Remember saying that one? That, it became. I just started rewatching the series. I'm on. Okay, you gotta finish DS9 first, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Star Trek Voyager's fun. It is fun. So is DS9, man. Like, once you get past, there are a few episodes. Every so every couple episodes is pretty entertaining, but it's more of a slog. Yeah, oh my god. Okay, well, since this is a Picard podcast, let's get back to Picard. <laughs> um, I love Seth Steven, right? A lot of <laughs> Every time you talk bad about DS9, it does it. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so, okay, this episode has gone the epic of Gilgamesh into the public zeitgeist, I feel, more than any other pop culture thing. I, you know, like, you ask anyone about the epic of Gilgamesh, before I saw this episode, I was aware of it. But I didn't know, you know, the little details of it. So thank you to the writers of Star Trek and um, Picard for laying it out so eloquently. And Cisco and Janeway, they would not have told that story. No, definitely. No. It's funny, not funny. When um, most of the other captain dies, 
And Picard is um, not super upset, but he's very somber and very um, saddened. Yeah. Uh, and it shows the the great character of Picard, right? He's he's stuck in the wilderness because of this captain. Uh, they found out how to communicate with each other. He understands why the captain did what he did. Maybe they're not friends, but they're working towards a mutual understanding. And then, of course, the captain dies. Um, and the characters who the utmost respect, like you see on the screen right now, he's crossing his arms, getting ready to leave. Um, I think it's a sign of the great character of Picard that he's kind of able to look past some of the surface unpleasantness of getting kidnapped and whatnot, and yep. seeing the, the true story and the true intention underneath it all. It's part of why he's a Renaissance man, you know? He has compassion, intelligence, he's a great diplomat. Yeah, yeah. He even has the the uh, the old Kirk rip on his shirt there, you know. Yeah, because remember he showed off those ripple abs. Yeah, pretty good for a man in his fifties, killing it. <laughs> um, and there was that line at the end of, the, of his Gilgamesh story where it's like you know, and these two friends, Bakido um, and uh, Gilgamesh, you know, how they be through trial and hardship became friends, and right as he's ending that story. Um, Damoth, or sorry, what was the name of the uh, oh, the other alien? I forgot the name. Right, he dies. You know, it's like yeah. the perfect timing. You know, and it just gets you by your heartstrings. Um, so props to the writers on this one. Like this is so. If if you were to show your dad or anyone you wanted to get into Star Trek, you know, like a, a good Picard episode, uh, which one would you show them? Not this one. Not this one for sure. No, no. Well, only because the the communication factor. There's a lot of metaphor talk. Unless you're already a fan, I can see why that would be difficult to do. So, I mean, ultimately why I like this episode is that it's just a story about two friends facing a difficult challenge and becoming closer at the end. And so it's and trying to, you know, find uh, communication together, like how to form a proper friendship through communication, sorry. And so it's ultimately a very simple story, but incredibly effective, and I love it for those reasons. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's entertaining to watch. Um, you know, Picard at his best, risky situation, dangerous situation, kind of on his own. Um, he has to use his you know, physical cunning, his physical strength, and also... Mental his, strength. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mental strength is... Uh, his brain, he has to use his um, very compassionate heart to kind of look past what's happened and figure everything out. I think it's a good example. The whole episode is a good example of who Picard really is. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it exemplifies everything of why he's a res- uh, Renaissance man, why we do this podcast. You know, it's a, the perfect Picard episode. Um, one part which Dan and I just watched was when Picard comes back uh, onto the ship after being transported back and you know he speaks into Marion and it's just like a total badass moment without needing weapons or any you know large explosions it's just a, it, gave, it gave me the tingle seeing Picard coming back and just starting with Tamak the river Tamak you know it, saves, it, the day, it yeah. saves the day you know it's uh, just through just through language you know and Understanding new language and through diplomacy and intelligence, it's it's brilliant. I think you know. Yeah. You know, and I also I would have liked to have seen the Temerians again. Yeah, they never ever come up, at least in the shows or the movies. Maybe they do in the books. I don't know, but um, yeah, they're an interesting race. 
It's like the, uh, oh, what are they? The, the, he makes us go, he makes us strong, uh, that race. Oh, um, the pack, um, Packlids. Packlids, yes, yeah. thank you. They never see them again either. Yeah, I don't mind not seeing them again. You know, they're, I think they're, they're a fun one-off. Oh, they're funny. Oh, I like them a lot. But okay, but explain to me this. How can an alien race so stupid do, uh, have space travel? You know, well, it's the same way the Ferengi do, right? The Ferengi have none of their own technology. They steal it from <laughs> Well, they races. bought it, actually. Well, they bought it from the race, yeah, it. right? So the Packlets, they're not smart, but they're cunning. Yeah, they're, like, yeah, they're cunning, cunning, but they were portrayed as insanely stupid in that episode. So how could they assemble and work all this technology that's <laughs> given to them? You know, But maybe we shouldn't question such things. Maybe it's sacrilege to do so. <laughs> um, that's for the next episode. That's for the next episode. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Seeing the Timurians again and how Picard or Starfleet uh, have adapted their language would have been very fascinating. Um, but you know, this episode is overall a really good example of how we can use patience and communication to solve or to bridge differences between others. And I think that's something we could really use today, uh, especially with all the political turmoil going on and conflict going on in the world. Patience something, and communication, you know. Something Picard and Riker both. Riker on the ship, Picard on the planet, something they both. Followed something they both seem to believe. Violence is the last resort. The yeah. last thing you try, you try everything else before violence. Yeah. Except, yeah. except if you take your advice from Warp, you know, then <laughs> fire, shoot first, and ask questions later. But well, <laughs> and if they listened to, to Warp, would have gone very, very differently, right? Well, yeah. How how would it have gone? It would have been like, well, okay, so uh, they transported Picard, and Warp would have fired immediately, probably. You know, yeah, destroy the ship. You know, they get down to the surface, bring back Picard back, and there's no. Um, Impetus for them to understand the the ins and outs of their metaphorical language and all that, so there's no communication is possible. Then they're right back where they started, but now everybody is a little more wary of the other, and things have gotten a little bit worse just because they listened to Worf and fired first. Well, Worf is much better in DS9. You know, he's a much more layered, intelligent character. You know, and so well, there are many times where they in next generation when they should listen to him. And they never really? Like, like why? Oh my I, god! I can't think of any time when they should listen to Worf. Um, Maybe think more of the books because there are some of the books like Federation they should listen to a little bit more. Really? Yeah. Um, but in the, in the episodes, I cannot think of a time when Worf was absolutely correct. Uh, like I think he's. Oh, oh, what's the one? Her Worf experiences the multiple realities. Parallels. Parallels. I was thinking about that, that one. Uh, that was a good one, yeah. If we ever do a Worf and Prune Juice, that's like one of the highlights of that podcast series, I think. Well, that episode was referenced in, I think, Federation. Really? Yeah. Okay. You're making me want to read this book even more so now. <laughs> um, and I have it still. I got to read it. Um, okay, so. What else can we talk about for this episode? Like, I mean, it's legitimately one of the best Picard episodes, I think. You know, it's a good showcase of why he's a good captain. You know, diplomacy, intelligence, patience, cunning. It was nice they get Picard out of the element, too. Not out of, not, not out of the element, but they get him out of where we usually see him, which is at the bridge of the starship. Yeah. He's on a planet now, kind of on his own. Yeah. He's very rarely ever alone. He's very rarely ever on the surface Yeah, the in that regard, it is an, an unusual episode. You know, it has mm. a different feel to it. The only other time I can think of it off the top of my head is The Inner Lights, which, you know, we'll be covering soon. Next time, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's just maybe Chain of Commands a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, he's a, you know, kind of alone on it. Well, not alone, but, you know. 
I mean, you could argue Devil's Due because he's not on the bridge, but like at the same time, he's still in the city, he's in a small room, he's but in the wild, kind of doing his own thing. One thing I thought was kind of odd with this episode in the beginning when Picard and Dathan are transported down to the surface and night falls, Dathan has a fire going, Picard doesn't. No, he can't build a fire. But he went to carefully training and that's I'm true. sure he knows a way to make a fire. I thought that, that stuck in, that stood out to me a little bit as being a little bit strange. If Picard isn't helpless, he knows how to do stuff. He's been around for a long time. Yeah, well, I mean, if I was Picard, yeah. Could I build a fire in the wild? I've never had to do that. Before. Oh, I definitely could. No, I could. No, like I know how to do it. Like you know, you you hit two rocks together, you spin some wood together very fast, you get some some uh, tinder, kindle. Is it kinder, kindle or tinder? Tinder. Tinder. Let's kindle then. Kindling. Kindling. Yeah, thank you. Kindling is all Yeah, yeah. For thank you. Um, yeah, so I know the basics, but physically doing it, I don't know if I could actually do that. I feel like a give me a lighter. Like an eagle scout could do it. And I feel like Ricardo has more training than Eagle Scale when it comes to like survival stuff. I mean, I would have just asked that Daythumb guy, give me your fucking fire, dude. Seriously. <laughs> well, that's what the fight's about, right? They they yeah. go at it with knives, and Ricardo wins, kills him, and gets his fire back. It's quest for fire, but. Quest for fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Dan, I think we've basically covered everything about this episode. I know we bounced around a lot in this episode. We didn't have a real cohesive flow, real real uh, chronological flow in the episode. Yeah. Hopefully you folks were able to follow it and follow kind of our idiotic rambling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if uh, anyone has any any comments or thoughts of what we might have missed, but... Or questions or, or, or critiques? Yeah. No, I thought... No, it is a great quintessential Picard episode where he shows off everything everything why we do this podcast, you know? Um, all the qualities of what we like about him is what I mean to say. Um, well, if you, um, if you want to give us any sort of uh, critique about this or anything else, reach out to us on the Facebook page. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Um, soon, Patreon, that might be a little long coming. Well, we have that donate button. Well, we will have that donate button. But yeah, just type in Earl Grant Picard on Facebook. And buy us beer. And that has all of our <laughs> that has all of our uh, contact info. Yeah. There's an email if you want to send us an email. Um, so what is the what is the email, Dan? Oh, you set it up. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I oh, I gotta find it now. Okay, well, while Dan is finding it, I will just say that uh, we have some new hardware. Dan has uh, he's got a new microphone for this podcast, so I hope you will like the uh, quality of Dan's audio today. I think it's clearer than before, so. Yeah, we both have the exact same microphone, actually. So the email address, if you want to send us an email, is egraypicard at gmail.com. So E-G-R-E-Y-P-I-C-A-R-D at gmail.com. Great. So any thoughts, comments, suggestions, send, send them that way. So you have a whole plethora of options to communicate with us. Um... Okay, so should we give the ratings on the beers we've been drinking tonight then? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I started off with the um, Jurassic IPA, and so I, no complaints. I'm giving it a solid 8.0. Um, eight Earl Greys out of ten. And Dan, what was the first beer you were drinking tonight? Uh, both my beers are the Flying Monkeys um, Killer Cupcake Anna. Um, it's a good one. Our uh, friend uh, Dan from Dodgeball. 
uh, recommended it to me. Um, he wasn't wrong to recommend it. It's not my not my favorite beer, but I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. What would make a ten out of ten IPA for you, or beer for you? Hmm. The Flying Monkey's Triple IPA comes pretty good. Yeah, close. I think so, yeah, me too. Yeah, I think yeah. out of all the beers we've drank so far, it's it's one with the laser with the cat on it, right? Like she yeah, lasers, um, yeah. Uh, it's called Sparkle Puff. Sparkle Puff, yeah. yeah. So, folks, please get yourself this beer. It's ten year old grades out of ten. Can't go wrong. Um, the second beer I've been drinking tonight is the Collective Arts Life in the Clouds. Not as good as the Jurassic Park uh, or sorry, Jurassic. Not just Jurassic IPA. Uh, so I'm giving it a seven Ertle Grays out of ten. And yeah, Danny, you've had the same one both times that you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Just as good the second time as well. Just as good the second time. Okay, so the rating stays the same the second time around. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, geez, so the next episode we do is going to be. It's going to be a big one. Inner Light, I'm been, I've been looking forward to this one for quite a while. Yeah. I like this episode. It is. A lot, so. um, the, the, with two E's at the end, the quintessential Picard episode, the one everybody talks about. And we plan on releasing this one much sooner than the, <laughs> than the last one. I'm not going to Yellowstone anytime soon. No trips anytime soon. So, Dan, what do you say? Next week? Next Sunday, maybe? Yeah. If you're, yep. Good crack it down. All right. So, the turnaround time will be a lot quicker. And we're going to play for you now the 90s. Uh, trailer for this episode. A mystery of unknown origin. Record of sick bay. Captain's heart traps Picard in another world. My prisoner here. And another man's soul. This is not my life. Destined to spend eternity on a doomed planet. You simply cannot let this civilization die until fate strikes a fatal blow. The captain is under attack. I'm losing him. On Star Trek, the next generation. So there is the 1992 trailer of uh, The Inner Light. I love this episode so much. Uh, me too. It's amazing. I cannot wait to uh, review that one. And it won't be a long turnaround time, as I said this time. So that will be good. Um, well, then, I think that's about it for this episode. Yeah, uh, right. Is there anything else we can talk about? I think we've covered why we love this episode. We covered the beers. Uh, and if, ever, if anyone has any... Thoughts, what we might have missed, please let us know. Questions or anything, reach out to us, let us know. Uh, we may or may not listen, depending on how much we like what you said. <laughs> so if you want us to hear a critique, then you must praise us first so that we keep listening. That's all. And well, if you donate to us, we will definitely listen to what you have to say. <laughs> and uh, we will even, um, if you have a beer that you want us to try, let us know too. We'll give you a shout out and, of course, the beer a shout out. And if we, if we like it, um, We'll give you even a bigger shout out or something. I don't know. But okay. Um, so, Stephen signing off. Uh, this is Dan, and we'll see you next time. See you next week.